This is your Chargers linebacker, Dan Henley, and you're tuning in with Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Evner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, Aura AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, fresh mm. off of Radio Row, workaholic, absolute beast out there, talking, mingling with the folks. It was an absolutely chaotic yet exciting atmosphere down there at Radio Row. How does it feel to be home, sir? And obviously, the chapter on the 2023 season is officially done. You know, you talk about that result and what happened. Now let's (laughs) open the book on the 2024 season. Off-season starts. Now let's go. Dan Wolkenstein, talk about last week, sir, because you were like the damn roadrunner all over the place. What was it like? Yeah, man. Beep, beep. Yeah, you're not kidding. Roadrunner. Um, Radio Row was wild. Not going to lie. There was so much activity. The buzz was uh, flourishing there. And I will say it's uh, it's pretty remarkable that the 2023 season is now officially behind all of us. And we are now in the 2024 season officially. Radio Row is wild. If you haven't seen it already, uh, we talked to Lorenzo Neal. We talked to Chris Sims. We talked to Trevor Sikama. We talked to Connor Rogers. We talked to Brian Baldinger. Uh, we talked to Joshua Palmer. We talked to Quentin Johnston. We talked to Atito Agbania. The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And it was all for the sake of Chargers fans who are desperate for a winning team, winning franchise. And that's what we're here talking about. Fresh off the heels of the last game of the NFL season. Chargers start the 2024 campaign. Late breaking news. Former Chargers player now ahead, not going to be a coach on this team. So we'll talk about coaching staff updates. We'll talk about some player rumors, some roster transaction possibilities, as well as Obviously, we're full on draft season mode. Jake Hefner, your favorite time of year. We all know how this goes. This is a live show. This is for the fans, by the fans, with the fans. If you have questions, if you have topics, please put them in the chat. You are just as much of a driver in this as we are. When you stop, we stop. So with that, Welcome to Chargers Unleashed Live, February 13th. Hope for all the men and women out there, have your Valentine's Day gifts ready for tomorrow. But Chargers fans got a Valentine's Day gift today early, Jake, because former great Nick Hardwick, fresh off the news here, going to be an offensive line coach for your Los Angeles Chargers. Jake, you and I had the fortune of actually talking to Nick Hardwick a few years back on the show. Nick Hardwick, the latest coaching hire for this Los Angeles Chargers team. How are we feeling? This Jake oh, Holy homecoming, Batman. <laughs> uh, apparently that Nick has been obviously doing color commentary and reporting on the team for a while now, but he wanted to get into coaching according to these reports when the news broke. He's been wanting to get into coaching for a while. And what better way to start under a new regime, Jim Harbaugh, Now you come in and you're the assistant offensive Lions coach in a year where the Chargers 
have a gaping hole at center. So whoever is going to fill that void is going to be able to put him back out there. Yeah, just are we sure he can't do both duties like a Jackie Moon pseudo coach, pseudo player type thing? Like, hey, you know, I know he could probably put on some pounds before, you know, between now and training camp. He can go in there and do it. I'm sure he still has the chops for it. But how fitting just from the standpoint of Chargers are going to go out and they're going to get a brand new center. You have this new regime, a whole different now offensive uh, positional and skill coaches that you're bringing in together. Jim Harbaugh said he wanted to put together an all-star coaching staff. And we'll obviously talk about a few more here that took place throughout the weekend in the last couple of days here. But Nick Hardwick coming in back in to be the assistant offensive line coach is just too poetic. I mean, that is some of the best news you could have ever heard. And immediately after that news started breaking, everybody was like, now we got to get Philip to come in and be the quarterback's coach. He's like, let's just have this big-ass reunion. Why not, why not go out and get Antonio Gates since he was unceremoniously passed on for the, for the Hall of Fame last week? Why don't you go out and bring him in for the tight ends coach and let's really get to work. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Matt Water, let's get some of the comments. Matt Water says, the coaching staff alone is star-studded and hard to believe belongs to us who has it better than us all caps no fn buddy jake i remember nick hardwick and the dude was an absolute beast and when we talk about navarro moment here in a bit same thing and what the charges are doing and you heard that jaleel die i believe was a coach last year you're getting this influx of not just coaching talent that's been proven not just coaching talent that's one, not just coaching talent that is kind of in that all pro star studded lineup, so to speak, to kind of develop the, the bench, so to speak, for this coaching staff. But you're also bringing connectors in the coaching staff, guys like Nick Hardwick, guys like Navarro Bowman, guys like Jesse Minter, where they've been there with players. Like they have a connection, Hardwick and Bowman specifically, they know what it takes to play to our pro level. They've done it. And so the connection that coaching staff and players are starting to develop with the staff is pretty remarkable. And it's hard to, as a Chargers fan, going through this, both as a San Diego Chargers fan and a Los Angeles Chargers fan, you gotta love seeing like the Nick Hardwick, the Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Nick Hardwick was San Diego football. We just got done talking to Lorenzo Neal at Radio Row. Nick Hardwick, Antonio Gates, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, LT, Michael Turner. Like, that was the group, man. And now, full circle, Nick Hardwick joins this Chargers team. Can't be happier, man. I love that one. I love it. How do you see that helping the offensive line, especially in a year where we have no clue what the interior offensive line is going to look like this year? Definitely doesn't take it a step back. <laughs> you have to think that whatever he's going to bring to the table, it's it can't be anything but good. Uh, and when you watch the way that this offensive line struggled last year, and when you hear about the emphasis that Jim Harbaugh wants to put on not just protecting Justin Herbert in the trenches, but obviously want to beef up this run game a little bit, how can you go wrong with one of the best centers to ever do it? And like I said, it's it's just perfect fitting right now with the exception of whether or not the Chargers are going to bring back Will Clapp because he's he's up for free agency this uh, in, in just about a month, you're going to have a gaping hole at center. The Chargers need to invest in that. And to have a guy who has 
been with that franchise for so long, one of the best centers to ever do it. Mm. I mean, there's just so much weight in that to how it could just add another body and another mind in the room for how you're going to be able to improve this offensive line. And it's honestly, it's pretty wild because when we had him on the show a couple years back, we're going to have to dig that up and put it on the social feeds. But talk about a character and a personality. And he was one that kind of kept guys engaged, kept it fun, but also was bringing the vibe when it came to like smash mouth football. The funny story that he had, I'm probably going to butcher this, but when he sat butt naked in the the trophy case (laughs) as the other players were walking by, probably can't happen this time of year, but... The stories that he had were so epic and how connected he was to that team and kind of the the pulse of that franchise at the time. You'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. Uh, Javier Flores, Nick Hardwick, what's going on? Just when he thought the Spanos couldn't surprise anymore and bam, all we need is Philip Rivers to join. Could you imagine, by the way? Could you imagine, Jake, (laughs) if the Chargers and Philip Rivers had something cooking? That, that, would, that, would that, would blow, that would blow the top off. That would blow the top off. Bruce, we'll stay on the Nick Hardwick thing before we move on to the other uh, coaching hires as well as obviously draft talk. Now that Lindsay's retiring, who is playing center? Wiggy Bruce? That is a damn good question. As of right and now, the one, ball is just sitting there. It's not getting hyped to Justin Herbert because there's nobody there. Will Clapp is a is a free agent coming up in just about a month. Don't know if the Chargers are going to be able to re are going to end up re-signing him, but even if they do, I think he proved that he was a serviceable backup. He's not the guy necessarily that you would want moving forward starting for this team. So if the Chargers, especially in this offensive line class and more specifically the center group of that offensive line class, I think you're going to see the Chargers select one of those guys come April. Yep, I think you're right. All right, so let's get to some of the other coaching hires that have taken place since we've been on a show together, Jake. Uh, And then from there, there's a lot of questions in here on the chat uh, regarding some of this coaching staff as well as the front office and the the draft stuff. So let's get through these head coaching hire or these coaching hires. Excuse me, Steve Klinkscale. This was an interesting one. Michigan fans have already been through the ringer enough. They lose Jim Harbaugh. They lose Jesse Minter. They lose Ben Herbert. Klink, Steve Klinkscale, goes and tells the team he's staying, not going anywhere. I believe the next day, Steve Klinkscale then changes his mind and forms the Michigan. Wolverines that he is not staying and is in fact leaving to join the Los Angeles Chargers and will be coaching for them. I'm not sure if it was the very next day, but I remember it was like it was earlier last week and then the news breaks that he's he flipped on Saturday. And then just you're like, what in the hell is going on? I mean, I really feel for Michigan right now and what they've had to deal with because now the Chargers are turning into Michigan West essentially and combining that with you know all these Baltimore positional coaches that they're they're bringing on board and people in the front office Dan I mean literally this here's the funny part about this Michigan leads the draft this year with 18 prospects coming out how crazy is that and when you think about they got Jesse Minter they're bringing in the defensive line coach. Now you're bringing in Klingscale. You start thinking in your head of the guys who are on positionally on that team. And as far as who to pay attention to, and it's like you, I I still stand by my original 
over under two Michigan players that the Chargers end up with before the draft <laughs> is over. And this just gives it even more weight. Steve Clinksdale coming over. Now, once again, what you've done is you've kept that almost that full body of a defensive unit with Minter, now Clinkscale coming over and the familiarity between those two. And again, we talked about enough what Jesse Minter was going to be able to do for Derwin James. Go back and watch how Steve Clinkscale deploys his secondary guys. This is just going to up that ante even more. And especially for a secondary that needs as much help as the Chargers do, because you obviously, number one, have to find another corner in this draft and put a high priority on it. Asante Samuel Jr. really is the only one that you could depend on. And even his skill set is somewhat limited to a degree. But you have to get more physical guys back there in that secondary. And the way that Klingscale deploys these guys, not only is it going to help Derwin, but whoever it is that you have back there in your secondary, you're going to be able to come up with some interesting packages. And then, right off the bat, right off the Klingsdale, you hear Chris O'Leary, Notre Dame safeties coach, is coming on to the Chargers staff. And our very own Jason Belay had talked about this on his show on Blueprints. If you haven't got a chance to go check that out, go tune into his show. Chris O'Leary's done some things with some dudes. Like, you know, that guy over in Baltimore, that Kyle Hamilton fella, reminds yeah, you pretty, a little he's bit pretty good. of you mind you a little bit of what Derwin James can do. And you gotta think of how between Clinksdale, Jesse Minter, Chris O'Leary, all three of these guys are just licking their freaking chops at the opportunity to coach Derwin James. And you heard Jim Harbaugh talk about how important some of these players are and how like Justin Herbert and Derwin James and Khalil Mack and all these guys who are like the shining stars of the NFL. You damn well best believe that these coaches see those players as a big reason why they're coming. And I got to say, there's another coach now for this Chargers team who, for those who are old enough, would make myself feel old now, Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, those two combined in their heyday, arguably the best linebacker pairing I have ever seen. And Navarro Bowman was an absolute freak. Give him... Now, I honestly, I don't know what his coaching style is like. I don't know what his leadership style is like. But I do know what is like on the field. And if you could bring in someone like that, to impact somebody like what the Chargers had gotten with Deion Henley, who we still haven't seen a lick of football from him as a linebacker. But we all talked about how promising that prospect is. We don't know what's going on with Eric Kendricks, but that linebacker position, I would say, generally over the last decade, has not been great. And they've kind of tried to fit pieces in and out and tried to do some rentals. Remember some of the names that have come in, come in and out of here? If we could get something steady at the linebacker position, like you're cooking. Jake, Navarro Bowman is now a Chargers coach. Thoughts? You know, I didn't actually think about this, Dan, until maybe just a minute ago. And I include this in the Nick Hardwick conversation as well. This almost feels eerily similar to what Dan Campbell was starting to deploy in Detroit a couple years ago, where it's, I mean, not to, not obviously what the Chargers have at the degree now, but he brought in just a bunch of guys for all of his positional coaches that all had so much playing experience. 
you talk about like Deuce Staley, Aaron Glenn, his, his, his coaching roster was littered with guys who had playing experience. And again, to your point, we don't know what the coaching style of Navarro Bowman is going to be, but when you have someone who was a three-time All-Pro, played under Jim Harbaugh, so he obviously knows what he's going to do. And for a linebacking group that, as you said, desperately needs to be upgraded, whether it's from personnel and coaching alike. Same with Hardwick. Why would you want to learn under it? Why wouldn't you want to learn under anybody else? Yeah. And then familiar face comes back. Shane Day becomes the Chargers quarterbacks coach for Justin Herbert, a familiar face for Justin. Arguably one of arguably, I think it's his best season he had with Shane Day. You got to think that's a Justin Herbert selection, right? Like they went and basically talked to Justin. It was like, hey, man, like, can we get you someone that you know? That's what Who it you felt got. Like. And Are you surprised as- that it wasn't Pep Hamilton? <sighs> yes and no, because I love what Pep did with him during his rookie season. But then you look at I mean, Shane Day. And well, I, well, real quick, Pep Hamilton would probably have to take a much larger role than just a quarterback. Coach. Sure. Considering how much time has passed, obviously, yeah. but from the time that he was with the Chargers. But Shane Day coming back in this capacity, and you said it, arguably Justin Herbert's best season, the only season that he ended up throwing for over five 5,000 yards, had 38 touchdowns that year. That was definitely Justin Herbert's most productive season that he had ever put up. And again, in a year where we see all this transition, here's a new head coach. Here's another offensive coordinator that Justin Herbert is now going to be playing under. Give him somebody that has some continuity, some type of previous ties with Justin that could make him feel some semblance of comfortability back there. So Shane Day coming in, I love that move to mix that with what Greg Roman is going to do and again, I know everybody has mixed feelings still about Greg Roman. You're going to feel his impact more, I think, in the run game. Shane Day, I think, can take the reins. And I don't think that you first of all, I don't think Greg Roman is coming in to take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands. So, so I wouldn't be worried about that. But having this type of combination with Shane Day and now Greg Roman to handle the, the run game, I'm okay with that. I, I agree. Uh, Wiggy Bruce has been a Chargers fan for almost five decades. Love all the coaching staff hires, but something still scares me. I got to stay in the middle. And I get it. Totally get it. There's, we, I personally, almost three decades now of a lot of heartbreak, if you will. There's just been highs for sure, but a lot of heartbreak. So you temper your excitement. But that being said, ask yourself when is the last time a Chargers franchise? has done this much overhaul. Not player. I'm talking solely on the coaching in front office. Since you have been a fan of this team. I'll ask anybody that. And you can't find another time they have seen this much overhaul from this franchise. Including the move to LA. This is bigger, in my opinion. Uh, JLG asks, "Will, will, will Roman call plays? I don't think we've heard that yet. I would imagine I it's going to yeah. be a combo with him, the Same passing here. game coordinator. One thing you should expect is that the run game should definitely improve. <laughs> we don't know who's calling plays, but whoever it is, the run game should definitely improve for the Chargers. Yeah, and let's talk about the Greg Roman stuff for a hot sec before. There's a bunch of people in here who want to talk about the NFL draft stuff. So we can pivot our conversation for the fans, get Jake's gears running here on all things NFL draft. Uh, Kyle says, I feel good about the change in offensive coordinator this time. 
It sounds to me like they plan to simplify things and take some stuff off his plate. Now, Jake, when you said, I don't think he's going to take the ball out of Justin's hands, I push back a little bit because I do think that he's going to take the ball out of Justin's hands in the sense of before they were throwing 40, 50 times a game. Yes. And I would like to see them throw maybe 25, 30 would be nice. Creating and balance. Then, yes. And that, so that I think it's Chargers fans are a fickle bunch because for the last insert number, Chargers fans have been desperate for a bona fide offensive line. We have been desperate for a running game. We have been desperate to win. We have been desperate to play physical, non-finesse style football. Punch you in the face, grind out the clock, win the game on a knee, and wrap it up. They bring in an offensive coordinator who has been top three, top one many years in running game and offensive line play. And somehow, folks are pissed because they think, oh, Justin's going to suck now. He's going to turn into Alex Smith or he's just going to run all the time. He's going to get hurt. Like, come on, people. Do you, like, do you honestly think, do you honestly think that Jim Harbaugh is going to, A, bring in Greg Roman and B, let Greg Roman do that when Jim Harbaugh himself wants to win, why would that happen? Why would that coaching staff enable someone to come in who's going to sabotage their team? Like, that's just not how this goes. You pair him with the offensive passing game coordinator. You pair him with Justin Herbert, who's the best quarterback he's ever had. You pair him with Jim Harbaugh. Greg Rowan had a year off to kind of improve, to evolve. He's talked about it at nauseum. Let's let this play out. I don't know if anybody is like through the roof about this, but to sit here and poo-poo on the idea of the Chargers finally having a balanced offense and a run game and offensive line, miss me with that. I'm sorry. And maybe I'm going too hard. I don't know. But I saw people just bitching about it. I was like, come on, guys. Like, think about it. I'll, I'll say this. I would say it was a majority of people that were pretty happy that Kellen Moore became available last year. Dan and I were even two of them. And I think the expectations of the offensive line, as far as what we thought, or not the offensive line, but the offense as a whole, as far as what we thought it was going to do, definitely did not deliver. So you never know. And as Daniel Popper said on the show, just give Jim Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt. Take a deep breath. I understand to a certain degree why people are, this wouldn't be the first choice for offensive coordinator that you would want. I understand why, but let's just see this play out. It's the best quarterback that either Jim Harbaugh or Greg Roman has coached up until this point. Back when they were working together, they had Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Let's see what they could do 10 years later and with different guys that they have coached and different experiences that each one of them has had. So I think generally speaking, you'd like to see this offense evolve to a style in which, you know, when we were talking Kellen Moore, everybody's talking about how excited they were at the possibility of a run game, like sure. But the bread and butter of this Chargers offense under the previous regime was put it on Justin, put everything on Justin and figure out a way to win. And he's good enough to do that. 
And unfortunately, the simple reality is you could have Superman back there. But in football, if you cannot run, you are not going to win. And you can look at any team in the playoffs this year and their lack of success or success tied to the run game. You have to have it. When opposing defenses know you can't gain a yard on third or fourth and one, they will pin their ears back. And you saw it happen time and time and time again with the Chargers offense getting blitzed literally and figuratively and crumbling. They have to if they have to fix that. They have to. And if it means you go a little extreme in that direction to fix it, that's fine by me. Give Justin 50 to 20 passes. Cool. He's going to be lethal if they are expecting that this offense is going to run. That's just, that he's never had that. So I'm excited, man. I'm just, I'm honestly very excited about what this offense looks like. Now, again, we're talking coaching staff. And Justin, there's a lot of question marks about who's actually going to be running the rock, which we don't know right now. And that kind of is a little bit of a segue into the draft, but there was a question here and I can't find it, but there was a question about what we thought of Isaiah Spiller and if he's the type for Jim Harbaugh and what they do at the running back position. Jake, what say you? It's still so hard to figure this out, Dan, because the best play essentially that Isaiah, the best opportunity that Isaiah Spiller got last year was on a 75 yard touchdown that was in the, that ended up being called back from for a penalty in the in preseason. preseason and for the preseason. And for some reason, and even Brandon Staley was asked about this during the season, why he was not able to make it onto the, to the playing field. Why couldn't he get off the inactive list? And in so many words, he just said he was not ready yet. And so when you look at it like that, you could really dig deep into this and say, well, if that's the case, and this is year two for Isaiah Spiller, then why was he a fourth round pick at the Chargers two years ago? If by now you couldn't get him on the field. Number, it's year number three now. Yes. And number two, from a coaching standpoint, at this at that point, when your running game is that bad, why not try somebody else? <laughs> Just to see what could possibly happen. So it's really tough to kind of gauge. And yes, I understand from what Isaiah Spiller did in college and you know, bigger type of back and how Jim Harbaugh wants to beef up the running game. Theoretically, that could fit in that mold that he's looking for. But it's still not somebody that I think that you would come in to say like, okay, that's who you're going to make the bell cow all of a sudden? No. No. And it's tough for running back this year, not just even for free agency, because if we thought that the free agency market last year financially for these running backs was bad, it's going to be even worse this year. The draft for running backs this year is not what it was last year. So you're going to possibly take another day three running back, which again, it's not. It's, I'm not saying that that wouldn't work, but that's essentially what the Chargers have done three out of the last four years and the guys that they have brought in. So you really have to kind of pick and choose. So I think as far as, how you set up the running game for for this season is you go out and you pay a small price tag for one of the veterans. We've obviously talked about possibly a target of the Gus Edwards or the J.K. Dobbins, specifically because of familiarity with Baltimore. Maybe you go that route and just have that be a one-year Band-Aid 
pair that with Isaiah Spiller. You try to make a two or three headed monster for whoever it is that you end up putting together in that running back room. And you kind of kick the can down the road for a year until the running back class is better to find your bell cow. Yeah. So let's kind of shift to the draft a little bit. Maybe we start with the running back side. Uh, We talked about Isaiah Spiller and we don't know what he is. Uh, There's a question that came up about the possibility of Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was rumored to have interest from Jim Harbaugh. I think Saquon Barkley also was on some radio show recently talking about his, his openness to that. Um, That's just going to come down to price tag. And we don't know what the running back market is. You know, there's a bunch of guys that are going to get paid. Maybe not as much as they should or could but I have a hard time believing that they're going to spend a big chunk of change unless someone drops in value a ton. Like Saquon Barkley, I believe his estimated value right now is right at 10 million. I think it's like 9.9 million. No way. No way. But if something crashes and you can get him for, I don't know, five, six or whatever on a one-year deal or two, maybe, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, Draft scenario though, 100%. 100%. And there is somebody in here, and I want to shout him out, who's talking about Audric Estime from Notre Dame. Dame. Love that kid, by the way. And he was saying, I'm the only one that likes him. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Don't worry nope. about that, man. There is a nope. following. You are not the <laughs> only one in here that wants to give Audric Estime his props. Dan, the other one that I really like is Isaiah Davis out of South Dakota State. Mm. In terms just of, you talk about a stiff arm that Derrick Henry would love. He's got that. I just love the way that that dude runs. But there's about nine running backs um, that I have really fully watched on tape this, thus far. And again, it's a little bit interesting. And you obviously have to... You, I, I know people are mixed on Blake Corum, but you have to put Blake Corum on there because of the Michigan ties. Like I said, you got 18 Michigan prospects that are in this draft. I still say that the Chargers come away with at least two of them in this draft, regardless of what position they are. Uh, in terms of other guys that are just that look really solid, obviously the Braylon Allens, the Traylon Bensons. Uh, you mentioned the Audrey uh, uh, Estime. I really like what I see from Bucky Irving as well. But where does the the run go on running backs? Because this is not a Bijan year. This is not. You're not going to see running backs going off the board this high. You're probably going to see the run on them. Yeah. I mean, maybe start late on day two. At, at, for the guy, for the guys that I, for the guys that I would look at, I mean, given the chart, here's the thing: like, are there running backs that may be worth a day two pick, like round three, probably in my opinion, maybe. But like with the Chargers' holes, oh my goodness, man! Like, I know they need a running back, and they got to fix that. But dude, like. You need a center more than you need a running back. And you need, you need a corner a lot more than you things. need a running back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of where you're going to put that positional value and how much priority you're going to put at that position, you mean to tell me you're going to draft a running back before you draft a corner? Or before you draft a tight end, maybe, if it's the good one? Or before you draft an edge rusher, if you don't have one of your edge guys back? Or a wide receiver? Or a center? You tell me. Day three guys on the running back real quick. Will Shipley I talked about before. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd I like. Jace McClellan I also like. Those are some names for you for day three guys that I like. 
let's kind of okay. So I think the elephant in the room here that a lot of Chargers fans and we we've talked about this ad nauseum now. But there's a lot of questions, Jake, about like what the Chargers should do at five. Here we go. And if it should be tight end, if it should be wide receiver, if it should be tackle, if it should be trade back, you know, whatever. So we'll start with Kyle's. Again, if you are new to Chargers Unleashed Live, this is with the fans, for the fans, by the fans. If you have questions, topics, questions, I said questions twice. Questions, questions twice. Topics. <laughs> questions again. <laughs> or opinions. I'm trying to think of a third one. I couldn't do it. Leave them in the chat. We'll do our best to get to them. We'll kind of go rapid fire here to catch up a little bit. Hot take. Possible, says Kyle. It should be wide receiver or Bowers at five. Any other position we should trade back into the teams for, especially tackle. There is like five guys available in the first. This is not a so, hot take, by the way. This is extremely <laughs> logical. <laughs> <laughs> this is like mild salsa at like Albertson's yes. take. That's correct. Now, I but I like say, the way he's thinking because yes, this is absolutely correct. Yes, I, I will say. So I am a huge. So let's just put our cards on the table here for a second. Jake is on. I mean, both of us love Malik Neighbors. Both of us love Brock Bowers. You can't go wrong with either one. So both of those anybody should be tap dancing rush. if the Chargers end up with either one of them. Yes. And I'm not going to lie. I'll be completely honest. I was telling Jake this today. I feel like every even day, let's just call Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Even day? Yeah. So, okay, Monday, so Wednesday, t- Friday, Tuesday, Thursday. Pick whatever. Okay. Every other day, I go from either, I'm like, I want Brock Bowers at five. If we're not trading down for a second. I'm like, oh, Brock Bowers is the dude. Then the other side of the coin, dang it, nope, I want I want my league neighbors. And so what is it today? Today, I think it's my league neighbors. <laughs> okay, so tomorrow I'll I'll yes. be expecting tomorrow your Brock Bowers rhetoric. Okay, got it. And and the and the thing for me, and I don't know if this is how the Chargers fans feel, but Brock Bowers and Malik Neighbors, though though either of those selections kind of signpost a different style of offense that this Chargers team is prioritizing. And the style of offense that we've seen from this Chargers team the last three, four years, that feels like it's Malik neighbors all day, every day, where it's just like run gun, throw it down the field. Win with speed, athleticism, yards after the catch, rock and roll. And the Chargers and Justin Herbert have been so sorely missing that elite playmaker who can hit home runs. Like, not just singles and doubles that we're talking with Keenan Allen, who is so good, but he's not hitting home runs from the 20 of their own like someone like this would. But then, on the so tomorrow, Jake, <laughs> I think about Brock Bowers, and I think, Man, this Chargers offense needs a lot of help. And Justin, I know he has a safety valve in Keenan Allen, but having one as a tight end would be so clutch for him. And by the way, Brock Bowers would be not just a tight end. Like he sets up out wide. He's dunking on cornerbacks at this point. He can block. So he can help in multiple use cases. 
And I just think of value and how many how often he would impact the game. That points, in my opinion, more towards Bowers at five, if it's between the two. But then there's the argument of, well, okay, he's a tight end and positional value, and is it really worth that? And so there's a lot of arguments here. So I, I kind of just go back to what I know about the team and what I know about the coaching staff, or at least what the coaching staff has been. And given what we've seen from Joe Hortiz in Baltimore, and given what uh, we've seen... this was your neighbor's day. I know, I know. Well, so here we go. Okay. Given what we've seen from Hortiz in Baltimore, given what we've seen from Harbaugh in all of his stints, the most likely scenario, in my opinion, is he won't even freaking pick at five. So Malik Neres would not even be a possibility. And then in which case, let's say you're picking in whatever, 10, 12-ish, 8 to 12 range. That opens up a whole other can of worms, man. And so I think if it was me, if it was at five, gun to my head, I think I'm picking neighbors. If they're both on the if we're both on the board. What say you? Additional things you want I want to add there, Dan, because you broke that down very nicely. When you think about wide receivers, let's just say, for example, if the Chargers do not take a wide receiver at five. I still think you have to find a way to take one eventually in the draft because nope, I, I don't think that I think the general consensus is that everybody has accepted the fact that Mike Williams is probably one of the big four that is not returning next year. Keenan Allen, how long is his extension going to be? How much longer is he going to remain with this team? We don't know. Joshua Palmer's contract is up after next year. You have to reload this wide receiver room, and it's always better to do it a year before than the year that you really need it. And when you're picking this high, and when we're talking about talent that is of the Marvin Harrison Juniors, of the Malik Neighbors, of the Roma Dunzes, even if you, let's just say hypothetically you traded back and there was a Brian Thomas that Dan is also a big fan of that's still sitting there, or you choose to prioritize it later in the draft, I still think you have to come away with another weapon there. As it relates with Brock Bowers, I have said this before. I understand everybody's argument against the Brock Bowers conversation in terms of you don't spend that type of draft capital on a tight end at five. Look at Kyle Pitts. I'm looking at Kyle Pitts and I'm looking at Kyle Pitts in a situation that has not been helpful to him, whether through coaching staff, offensive scheme, whatnot. I don't understand why it is that they have not been able to help develop him. Now, as Dan was talking about, you start going off of what you know from the coaching staff and this front office. Let's kind of go through it a little bit. Well, what do we know? Jim Harbaugh heavily recruited Brock Bowers coming out of high school. We even saw all the pictures of them all standing together. Bowers is in a Michigan uniform. I want to know what Georgia ponied up to convince him otherwise. Because when you're in that type of setting and you look at that uniform and you say to yourself like, oh yeah, this feels good. Whatever the hell it was that Georgia made him flip his decision, I would still love to know exactly what that was. Because when you go that far to try to give someone the visual perspective of what this would look like, you know, that's a pretty big shot. That's a pretty big, pretty good pitch, pretty big commitment swing to try to get someone to, to commit to your college. The other standpoint of this, Dan, is now you go to the GM 
And we're talking about Joe Hortiz, who was part of a front office that drafted Mark Andrews for the Ravens. Also, a pretty damn good tight end. Also some familiarity that he had with Greg Roman when he was the tight ends coach before he became the offensive coordinator when he was in Baltimore. So now you have three guys that essentially in terms of a tight end standpoint, in terms of what they've experienced doing when they can have a playmaker like that. And as Dan said, Justin Herbert has not had a tight end that has had that has the capabilities that Brock Bowers has. The closest to that would be Hunter Henry that he had in his rookie season and only had it for one. Has not had that type of player throughout the rest of his career. And but Brock here's Bowers. Thing, but here's the thing, Jake. Door number three is the Ravens, Joe Hortiz and company have had close to 20 trades since 2020. Just since 2020. So we can talk about this all we want, but like, are they even going to be there? Wait, are you talking about Brock Bowers not being there at five? No, no, no. I'm saying like not picking at five. Oh, not picking five. No, no, no. That, that is the door number three scenario. I'm just trying to talk up Brock Bowers here. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not okay. poo-pooing it. I am the last person that poo-poos a trade back. If you if this is the first time you're tuning on to this show, hello, hi, how are you? I'm the advocate for the Chargers for the past 10 years that has been asking for a trade back. Unfortunately, with the last regime, we never got that. I could totally see them trading back, Dan. I could, Which, by the way, for the last decade, we could them. never see them trading back. Unfortunately, not. We were all hoping that someone up there was going to change his ways, and that just didn't end up happening. But I could totally see them trading back. To your point, Dan, especially, especially, let's just say, if in a crazy reality that Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors, or let's just flip, you could say Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze is off the board before the Chargers even pick at five. If there's still a quarterback on the board by the time that the Chargers are on five, oh, get them on the phone. Dreams. Get them on the phone and work it. I don't care. You move down to eight where Atlanta's picking. If they don't end up going after Justin Fields, you move a little bit further back in the teens. Honestly, I wouldn't care because if we're talking about revamping this offensive line, this offensive line class is ridiculously good this year, Dan. There's 26 offensive linemen, whether we're talking about tackle, guard, or centers that I've gotten a chance to watch film of, 22 of them have top 100 grades right now. (laughs) It's ridiculous how good this offensive line class is going to be. So if that is your goal, if that's your goal to revamp it, trading back and getting extra draft capital, by all means, I'm in. Now, Kyle Tucker here. I've seen people high on alt. I just thought it's a waste of draft capital. So this might be tough for some to hear. I think it would be forking stupid <laughs> to draft a tackle at five. And I may argue be stupid to draft a tackle in round one, period. Not because the Chargers don't need an improvement in the offensive line play, specifically a tackle. But because of the economics of that position, paired with the needs of this team, paired with the money that they don't have. Remember, they have a formal all-pro current stud in Rashawn Slater, who's going to get paid soon, possibly as soon as this offseason. They have Trey Pipkins, who is 
I believe, on the books for like $9.75 million regardless, even if they cut him. That's still almost $10 million in the books. They've got Jamari Sawyer, who came in and balled out in place of Rashawn Slater, who could be your swing tackle or starting tackle, possibly. And oh, by the way, you need a center, possibly guard, a running back, tight end, wide receiver, edge, linebacker, corner safety. And you're currently 50 plus million dollars over the cap. So spending another, what is it going to be? I think it's like six million ish on another tackle when you already have probably close to $30 million if they resigned Rashawn Slater. I know they need to improve the offensive line, but to spend that premium of capital on that just seems stupid to me. Even with a guy like Harbaugh and Hortiz who want to establish the trench game, there are other ways to do it. Am I crazy? No, no, not at all. And this would be different if Rashawn Slater was not playing for the Chargers. This would make all the sense in the world, whether you want to say it's Alt or Fashado or you know whoever it is that you would say is going to take that spot. And when you're talking about positional value and the argument for the tight ends and whatnot, we all know how much left tackles get paid in this league. But you would essentially be selecting a left tackle in Joe Alt to then kick him over to the right side? When he gets to the pros, so you'd essentially be spending your fifth overall pick on a right tackle. And we've heard Daniel Popper talk about this on the show. It's not always the easiest transition, no matter how good the guy is, to switch positions. Some guys can do it. Some guys are that versatile and that talented that could do it. We've even seen it with some of the guys over there in Cincinnati with their offensive linemen when they went that route. And it wasn't the easiest thing for the guy who was moving from left to right to then make that transition easy. Tristan Wirfs, same thing. He's even said in interviews from where he was drafted, and when they had to reshuffle that offensive line into a different position, it was not the easiest transition for him. So I totally understand from the Chargers' standpoint, and when you start thinking about Harbaugh as well in terms of how he likes to build the trenches, I get all that. But fifth overall for who's on the board? No. Trade down? That's a completely different argument. But at five, no. Rex says, Neighbors is a good choice if Harbaugh is willing to move off of his preference for multi-tight end personnel. But if he's going to mostly have two tight ends, only two wide receivers on the field, then third wide receiver, few snaps. Now, who's the third wide receiver? Because I would bet my bottom dollar that if they draft Malik Neighbors, he's your second wide receiver behind Keenan Allen. It'd be between him and Palmer, and I don't see them keeping Malik Neighbors off the field. Just saying. So even if they do want two tight end sets, you can still have Neighbors on the field. But the point still holds true a bit that history tells you that Harbaugh's tight end one becomes offensive weapon two in the system. Will it continue? We will see. Out of Joy or Mac, are we keeping any? This person asks. <laughs> this is tough. And now again, we're it's you, you have to take into account what you know 
of the new GM now. Now, we've not seen him actually go out and execute anything. But, yeah, what was one thing that he talked about that got everybody excited? Two words that this franchise is not used to hearing about is is comp picks. Comp picks! (laughs) What is that? In terms of what you can get from a trade value, what's the best way to do that? You trade for someone when their asset value is at the highest. And I know some people have been indifferent about this as far as who could hold more value just because of the difference in age between Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. But Khalil Mack, you can't argue. I understand how good he was for this team. And if he ended up coming back, I would say he definitely earned that and would be a value asset to the team. But in terms of one of your best trade pieces to possibly get something back in return to, again, not only get that number off the books for you, but get some extra draft capital in the process, you kind of need a youth movement at the edge position. And Thule was a great start to that. I think you'll end up finding another edge, whether it's in this draft or next year's draft or whatever it is, depending on what happens in the free agent market. But you're going to have to shift to a youth movement at the edge position at some point. And you can count it however you want, whether it's this year or it's next year. I don't see Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack being remaining on this team after after two seasons. I don't. So for some context, because there's a lot of people in here talking about restructuring Bosa or trading one or keeping one. I've seen people say that Joey Bosa has a higher trade value than Khalil Mack. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Like I know he's younger than Khalil Mack, but Khalil Mack's had his career year. So like, when has Joey Bosa had his career year? Go back and look. His career year was probably 2017. And if we're talking the last few years, Jake, Again, we're talking Joey Bosa, who's making 30 plus million on the books this year. Joey Bosa last year had a whopping six and a half sacks. Joey Bosa the year prior, two and a half sacks. The year prior, 10 and a half, seven and a half, 11 and a half. 30 plus million dollars. You better be getting someone who has 17 plus sacks or 12 plus or whatever. And who's that? That's Khalil Mack right now. Joey Bosa has not been healthy and cannot stay healthy. And last time we saw him in a meaningful game in the playoffs, he was going ballistic for good reason. I'll give him that because the guy was clearly, the offensive lineman was not doing his job legally. But still, I I would understand if the Chargers decided to get rid of both. You got Thule. Now, granted, him on an island by himself as your one guy, that's tough. But if you can get picks back, you can draft one or two, like, you're good. Again, we're talking a numbers game here. But if I had to keep one, I'm keeping Mac. I'm sorry. He is so much more proven right now than what we've seen from Joy Bosa the last two and a half years. If it was up to you. Jake, who would you, if you had to keep one, who are you keeping? If I had to keep one, you'd have to go with Khalil Mack. But 
on the flip side of that, I think that Mac holds the best trade value as far as yeah. return goes. Yeah. So, but how much how much of a difference do you see Mac versus both in terms of trade value? Like, what do you see those two getting? Somebody somebody put out some projected trade for Khalil Mack today where it, the Chargers would essentially net back a fourth round pick for Khalil Mack, which when you think about the size of his contract, that actually sounds about right. Because if a team has to take on that massive contract, then obviously they'll probably end up restructuring it in the midst of everything. But that's and, and a guy who is that old, that compensation seems fair. Now for Joey, it's different because Last two years haven't been too productive for him. Yes, he has the age advantage. Still has a big contract. I'm not sure what you would honestly get back from him. Maybe some team could come up and surprise who's desperate for an edge rusher. I'm not sure. But I don't think it's above a fourth-round pick. I truly don't. I'd be very surprised if it was. No, for Bosa, if you ended up trading him. Yes. Yep. Now, what what about for Mac? Mac, I would like I said, Mac. I think that if if that trade scenario ended up happening, that you give his age and his contract number, and but his production has been better over the last two years. That if you were to net a fourth round pick for that, I would say that that sounds fair. Yeah, I got. I think you can get a fourth from. I think you can get a fourth for both for for Mac. I don't know what you're going to get for Bosa. I really don't. Like you're hoping maybe the Niners. Are desperate the Eagles, maybe Miami? I don't know. Look at a team that doesn't have a quarterback rich. That's probably where you're looking. But Coach Ed, who I believe you find of the show, is a defensive line coach, came in here earlier and had expressed career year on a team with a bad record. Imagine when they win, don't overthink it. So <laughs> me not overthinking it, I'm keeping Cleo Mack. Yes. Is there anyone in here who believes that Mike Williams is going to be back? Okay, next question. It's, so, a, sad, it's a sad subject. Yes, Number one, that we sucks, have to have man. that conversation. And it's yes. so unfortunate what happened to Mike Williams. Yeah. But I think this 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 of anything, Dan, is is more for a financial move in terms of, you know, parting ways because you have to. And when you look at what you invested in wide receiver last year, that unfortunately didn't end up showing the return that you would have liked in year one. You have to start rebuilding this now. Yeah, and again, like the best ability is availability. You hear it all the time. And, and Joey Bosa and, and Mike Williams, they're kind of in that same discussion. Like when they are healthy, if they are healthy, like they're studs. But that's a big if and it's a big when. And too often they haven't turned out. And so it's unfortunate. Mike Williams, friend of the show, we've had him on here multiple times. We've been there with him at training camp. We interviewed him on the field, like the whole nine. He's a great dude. But it's a business. And unfortunately, this team is 50 plus million over the cap. And you gotta make decisions. And again, to remind fans here, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa are each the top two paid 
players in the NFL at their position in terms of cap space, cap hit for 2024. That is not sustainable. You just can't keep that. Now, moving forward, uh, Jake, there was a tweet that came out yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Of the last four draft classes. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. And I'll go through some of these names here because I think this kind of shows the discussion that I had of kind of the trade back importance. And let me just go through some of these names. Okay. 2020 draft class at Justin Herbert, right? He's the crown jewel of this entire four years. Kenneth Murray, Joshua Kelly, Joe Reed, Alohi Gilman, and KJ Hill. Now, Park the Alohi Gilman name here for a sec, because we'll talk about that. But KJ Hill, not on the team. Joe Reed, not on the team. Joshua Kelly, most likely not on the team. Kenneth Murray, most likely not on the team after this year. 2021. Rashawn Slater, stud. Asante Samuel Jr., starter. Josh Palmer. I think he's turned out pretty darn good. I like Josh Palmer. Trey McKitty. Not on the team. Chris Rumpf, probably not going to be on the team soon. Brendan Hymas, don't know. Nick Neiman, special teams guy. He has shown some promise a little bit. Certainly not a starter. Larry Roundtree, not there. Mark Webb, not there. 2022, Zion Johnson, currently not worth the pick, but still room for improvement. JT Woods, haven't seen a lick. Isaiah Spiller, haven't seen a lick. Tito, actually like Tito. I think he is good. He was hurt for most of last year or part of last year. Sawyer, solid. Not quite as well. He's currently a starter as a guard, but he had kind of a down year. Jazeera Taylor, Dean Leonard, Xander Horvath. <laughs> and then this past year, Quentin Johnston had a down year. That was not a good rookie year. Thule, stud, like him. Deion Henley, we all like him. Have no clue what's like on the field except for the short stints we saw at the very end of the season where he looked great. Darius Davis nailed that one, but again, it's a fourth-round pick, but he's an all second-team All-Pro. Jordan McFadden, no clue. Scott Matlock, barely seen him. Max Duggan, not on the team. So there's like arguably, Jake, five guys there. Five. That you can say are starters or good starters. This is in the last four years out of 30 picks 30 that's horrible drafting that is horrible returns i remember joe reed dan once upon a time scored on an end round touchdown and nobody ever saw him again (laughs) i remember kj hill and and there were a lot of people during that point in time given what he had done in college that were psyched out of their mind about that pick and for him being the last pick of that respective draft that people were really hyped out about. And then when you got to training camp, <laughs> he couldn't put it together. Nope. Nope. D's D's says, Oh, is that the one that Alohi chirped at you, Dan? Yes. This is the one. So again, I saw that and I was thinking, Oh my goodness, that is horrible. So I said, Alohi Gilman is a solid player. But him currently being arguably in the top five of the 30 
players the Chargers have drafted since 2020 is wild. And I stand on that. The Chargers, go back to Alohi Gilman's first two years. Sixth round pick. He was a depth piece at best. He he was still behind years. Nasir Adderley on the depth chart. Yep. And you give him credit. He has balled out. He has improved. He has grinded. He has risen. And he has turned into a bona fide starter. And we all love Asan- We all love Alohi Gilman for that. I think he's a very good player. But when you look at the first, second, third, fourth round picks that the Chargers have picked and missed, and you look at how many guys that they've drafted that aren't on the team anymore, for Alohi Gilman to be a top five player the team has drafted, that's no knock on Alohi Gilman. That's just a knock on how many guys this team has missed on. And it's unfathomable how many of these guys aren't even on the team anymore on rookie contracts that are like big hit. Like JT Woods, we have no clue what he is. Trey McKinney, you and I both, I remember at the draft party, Jake, we were like, what? For context on the Trey McKinney pick. (laughs) By the way, that's hilarious what your buddy had said with that thing happened. My buddy Brian, much like Dan, ever the optimist, Basically, just kind of going over through the thing. He was like, "Well, you know, he he can catch, he can run. <laughs> just just Got giving me hands. the just giving me Got the basics. Hands. Like, like don't have to worry about it. We're we're fine. Uh, that's it, Dan. In reality, that's it. Even when you take it just for the last four years, and like we said, that is that's bad. Yeah, that's so bad. Alohi, so keep Alohi it Gilman, nice. Elohi Gilman replied to that, by the way. So just I want to give him his his flowers here for a second. He said, "Why is that wild?" Don't mistake draft status for talent. It doesn't really matter when or how you get there. First round or sixth round, the real always rises. Maybe, just maybe, I'm a top five talent. Sixth rounder to a top five talent? Yes. And I agree with all of it. I I agree with all of it. You see late round picks booming all the time. But that doesn't mean the team shouldn't be hitting on more than what they've done. And so, again, no knock on Lohi Gilman. I wholeheartedly agree with Alohi Gilman's rise, and he deserves, he well deserves his second contract. But many of the team's other selections simply have not worked out. They just haven't. And so two things can be true. Alohi Gilman could be playing well above his draft pick and has become a top five player in this team. True, full stop. And the Chargers draft picks have been terrible for the majority of these last four years. I don't That's think what that has any... to get picked with Joe Hortiz and company. I, I know we're in a different free agent type of situation than what the Chargers had last year. But if there's anybody, the first person that you're starting with in terms of signing guys to their second contract in terms of the, what, 27 free agents that the Chargers have coming up this year, Alohi Gilman's at the top. And it's not close for what he was able to do during this year. I thought he played extremely well given the circumstances, even in a losing situation, as bad as the defense defense was. He played his ass off. And I thought that he earned his contract. Now, in macro sense of that, Dan, I know I was talking about the last four years. And when you talk about second contracts, let's not forget the previous regime, only two second contracts were given out to players that were outside of the first round over a 10-year period. And that was Keenan Allen 
who was a former third-round pick, and Trey Pipkins, who was another third-round pick. Those are the only guys between rounds two and seven that have been drafted since Tom Telesco was in power here. That's all second contracts. Is this true, Jake? Cody says that Trey McKinney pick was our comp pick for losing Philip Rivers because that was the the <laughs> that was this that was the second third round pick because you had drafted Joshua Palmer just before oh. that, and then Trey <laughs> McKinney was also the second third round pick that you had. Just hey, hey, and knife in me, man. I remember back in the AJ Smith days when the Chargers had two second round picks, and one of them was Jonas Mouton. Anybody out there remember who Jonas Mouton was? Jonas Mouton. Yeah. Yeah, DZ says, Tom made the Chargers so too heavy for years, and that's why he looked injury-plagued, because we had no depth. Fact. Jake, you and I talked about this, how thin this Chargers team was, where they had bona fide superstars at the top, for sure. But when those bona fide superstars go away, there was crickets underneath. And that was exposed. And you heard Joe Hortiz talk about comp picks, talk about how the importance of those and churning the underbelly of a roster. And oh, by the way, look how many more picks the Ravens franchise has had than the Chargers in the last five years. Look at the comp picks that they've essentially had from the time that Joe Hortiz, or since the Ravens' existence, they had 55 comp picks. In that same span of time since the Ravens' existence, the Chargers have had 24. I think I, heard, I don't remember exactly the number. Don't quote me, but I think it's like between like seventeen and seven is what the Chargers have had versus the Ravens. Ravens seventeen lately. Chargers seven. I think it's, it's ridiculous. Twenty eighteen. I think I don't remember exactly, but so is the Nick Hardwick news true? Ask Earthy guitarist. Yes, yes we talked about it earlier. It is very true. But let's stick to the the Alohi Gilman topic for you here for a second, Jake. We talked about the O'Leary hire, Jesse Minter hire, Jim Harbaugh style. Do you see Alohi Gilman returning? I I don't see his. There was someone in here in the chat that was saying his value was like oh, uh, just under three million per year. Do you see him staying? Yeah, I think that that's one that you could say. You know, a he earned it. B I don't think that it would be a huge price tag that you'd have to pay for him. And so I, and I, I, again, I think just from a comparable standpoint of what he was able to do with Derwin James, and now you have a completely different defensive staff to come in here and make the secondary better, obviously make the, hopefully make the pass rush better. That's in turn going to help the secondary. Yes, I do now. And I say that for a number of different reasons, obviously because the charters have so many damn holes, essentially you could just, Throw just take quarterback off the board, and the Chargers need help at every other single position. <laughs> so, are you going to create yet another hole in your secondary? Because you know you already need a corner aside, uh, out you know across from Asante Samuel Jr. As Dan said, you don't know what you have with JT Woods. It's a huge question mark. So, is that something that you fill outside of free agency if you let Alohi Gilman walk? And what price tag is that going to cost you for someone to come in there and pair with him? Because you obviously can't rely on JT Woods at this point. So I think that the easiest standpoint from a financial and a familiarity standpoint, and who a guy that showed that showed you that he could play tough. Yeah. I would bring a low back. I think I would too. I think I would too. If the price was right. But I don't the one thing I don't know is I just don't know if he is the mentor style. 
I Which don't. I think I get that. I get that. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a lot of people here that didn't realize that uh, Mr. Nick Hardwick is coming to the Chargers. So we got some excited people here in the comments. Like, wait, 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 wait. Hardwick is coming to the to LA? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, there is someone asking, are the rumor about rumors of possible Lorenzo Neal being a coach in the Chargers? I haven't seen any See, of those. Here we go. Let's let's just bring everybody back. Who cares? Let Lorenzo Neal come back and coach the running backs or the fallback or whoever the hell's going to be in the backfield. You already have Nick Hardwood coming back and being the assistant offensive line coach. Where's somebody Peyton? already somebody already threw in the chat to say bring Philip Rivers back as the quarterbacks coach. Let's go. LT, you LT, know the running backs coach Antonio Gates, who got shammed from the the Hall of Fame this year. He's probably pissed off. So let's bring him back as the tight ends coach this year. Let's just go full bore. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so no. In in all fair, in all seriousness, no, Cody. I have not seen anything about Lorenzo Neal being a coach, but we did have him on the show last week, Radio Row, and man, he sounds like he could be a coach. Got me fired up talking about the accountability of uh, the LT days, what Marty did. It was calling people out, and yeah, um, I could see it. I could see it. Ah. Uh, Jake, all right, so we're closing out. Probably about maybe 10, 15 minutes the most. we got to get out of here. I can't believe there's been this many people in the chat this entire time. This is fantastic. If you've not already done so, please hit that like and subscribe. Helps out a ton. Jake, we've talked draft. We've talked coaching staff. We've talked roster moves. What else are we looking forward to? We Guys haven't talked... We'll we haven't talked enough draft now, Dan. We got the combine list that was officially released today, two weeks Fair. until the NFL scouting combine. I know people aren't as bullish on it as I am, and you know, you want to call it the underwear Olympics and what have you. I personally love watching the NFL combine. You know, the draft starts in mobile, but we're already here now. Like to me, this is the kickoff of the 2024 season, and let's go. We've got April 25th to look forward to. And the Combine is the next big event for the NFL. And from a standpoint of draft prospects, which I know everybody in here loves to talk about, gotta love to see this, Dan. Gotta love to see this. It's gonna be good stuff, especially at positions of need that the Chargers are desperate for this year. Offensive line, corner, wide receiver. This is going to be a good combine to watch. Man, I'm I'm looking forward to to the combine. You know, I, I do think the one part that is a little interesting that I, maybe we can talk about. We did a show on this, but for folks the chat didn't get to see it. The paths that this team could take. And again, we don't know what's going to happen during the during the offseason. We don't know who they're going to be signing or re-signing or trading or whatever. But give what we know now. There's a few paths that the team could take. And for example, like if they go wide receiver number one or in round one, let's say let's just go no trades for a second. If they go wide receiver in the first round, what does that mean for other positions? Like what does that mean for the tight end position? They currently have Donald Parham and Stone Smart. Or if they go Brock Bowers in the first round, who would then be available as a wide receiver? in round two or three or four or whatever they want. When would be the time to draft a other position, whether it's to draft a corner or a linebacker they possibly could need or a safety that they could possibly need or center that they could possibly need. And so the challenge becomes you only have so many picks. 
You only have so many picks. And so if there is no trade down, which again, like I think we both believe that a trade down scenario exists and is probably likely, I guess. I understand, like, and I'm talking to myself here for a second. I understand how important it is, how much I love Malik Neighbors. If the Chargers go Malik Neighbors, it kind of becomes a little tough when you're looking at, okay, well then who do they go for tight end? Like the kid from Texas? The kid from Michigan? But like, those guys aren't Brock Bowers. But hey, maybe the, maybe Jim Harbaugh and team don't necessarily think they need him. But like, that's where the interesting part comes, is there's give and take no matter who or what position they take. And so you got to think, like, is it worth it? What provides the maximum value for that selection? And is it worth it? Of who, like, it's kind of a, a risk reward thing. Like, is it, is that pick worth the guy you're going to miss the next round? So it's an interesting discussion. And as much as people want said player, like, you got to think about the other side of the coin. So is there a scenario for you, Jake, that like, on face value, it sounds fantastic. But then in practice, in practicality, in reality, it's like, woof. Yeah, but. See, I think everything you're saying right there, Dan, gives more weight to the Chargers trading down. Just makes the most totally. sense because there's so many holes to fill. Now, trust me, Malik Neighbors or Brock Bowers being on the board at five, like, this is the irony that the football gods want to put on me. I've been asking for going. 10 years for this team to trade down. And the one time that now seems the mo most realistic because of situation and personnel and front office now with two studs of talents that Malik neighbors and Brock Bowers being there at five, the chargers may actually trade out at number five, of course, when those two players are on the board. But Dan, remember when we were talking about like, if you go back to November, before you actually knew where this Chargers team was going to end up in the draft order, you were probably, at, at that point in time, it was probably hovering between like 10 and 12. And all the conversation was about corner. And honestly, if the Chargers traded back, depending on how far back they go and what type of return they get for that trade back, that to me might look like the logical step you need someone back there in that secondary. Now, again, you and as you were mentioning with Jesse Minter, how is Harbaugh going to want to cater to not only the guys that he wants, but the guys that he knows his other guys, are, that his guys want, mm -hmm. being Jesse Minter and knowing the defense that he run, and now obviously with Klinkscale coming over and the guys that he coached up. You have to think that they're going to cater to this one way or another. So from... If the Chargers were able to trade back and take a corner and whether, you know, I think the corner conversation probably starts. It's going to be offensive heavy in the top 10. You probably look at maybe nine. You could start the conversation for cornerback possibly. I know that Chicago currently sits there. Doesn't mean they're going to necessarily stay there, but you could say around that nine or 10 mark that the corner market might start heating up. So what are we talking about? A Terry on Arnold, a Nate Wiggins, who I love. Uh, I know Kool McKinstry, his value once upon a time was the top corner in this draft. His value has since fallen. I personally like uh, 
Quinion Mitchell, who's been a stud, and his value has just risen Talk over the last several weeks. Skyrocketing, my goodness. Enos Rakestraw, who didn't get a chance to perform at the Senior Bowl, he is a feisty physical corner that I feel would totally mesh into this defensive system. So depending on, again, when where the Chargers land, if they land out or you know just outside the top 10, I think corner makes a lot of sense. And then depending on that return that you get, you'd probably say maybe a center would be the next pick that you would go. And I know everybody in, in the chat, and I've seen it, and I understand why as far as uh, you know, Powers Johnson and wanting him to come on, on board for this team to, to hold the middle of the center because the dude is just a brick wall. Nobody can move him at the center position. But, Dan, this center class, it's got some talent. If Zach Frazier from West, from West Virginia did not have an injury, I feel like that he could be contending with Jackson Powers Johnson to be the first center off the board. Honestly, he was, he was injured late in the year. He was able to do positional drills, wasn't able to play at the senior bowl because he had a broken fibula, but he is also a monster. And then you keep going back. Okay. If you wanted to push that rock a little bit further down, Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. How about Drake Nugent? Who's a familiar, who's a familiar face with Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. There is a lot of directions that you can go here, but I get it. Wide receiver, tight end, it, it almost at face value looks like a value, at, at a value pick in that certain cir- circumstance. And and yeah, maybe it is given the other positional needs of the Chargers. But hey, you have options. You're not pigeonholed here. This is the advantage of picking at five as opposed to seventeen for who you know is going to be on the board, and as opposed to whom you who may not be on the board. So the good thing is that the Chargers have a crap ton of options that they could do. And thank God they now have a guy in the GM spot that's familiar with moving around. Yes. You know what, Jake? We got five minutes here. What do you say we do a quick mock draft? Let's have some fun. Oh, good Lord. Really? Let's have some fun. Let's get crazy. All right. All right, fans, listeners, viewers, let's rock this thing. All right, Jake, you get the choice. Would we rather stay at five? Or trade down in this scenario. We can do one trade down. This will be interesting. Neighbors and Bowers are on the board as well as <laughs> Of course they are. Of <laughs> course they are. <laughs> Let's have some fun here. What are we doing? Neighbors, Bowers, trade. So this is this is the fans mock draft right now. Yep. Okay. We've got trade back to 10, trade down, trade down. Wait, trade. Oh, trade back and take Bowers. Okay. Trade down to eight. Uh, so everyone, all right, so everyone's saying tra- okay, everyone's so everyone's trade, trade down. down. So we got. So we're just gonna stay here. We have four options. I, don't, I think eighteen, nineteen, thirty is probably too low for everybody. So we'll do. Eight. Try to make it as realistic as possible too. Dan. Right. So five. We get eight. Eight and forty-three has a seventy percent chance. Does that seem realistic to you? Seems yeah. It seems realistic. Or five or eight and seventy four. See, I don't think the Chargers would do it for seventy four. Did all three of the the quarterbacks get taken before you picked? No, but this is so this is realistic. Someone's going to be desperate. So Jane Daniels is still there. Aha. Okay. So someone's desperate. So we're okay. going to say Atlanta's desperate here, and they're going to trade up. They're going to give us their forty three and eight for five. Go ahead. Yeah, we doing it. Pull the trigger. Okay. Trade accepted. Resume draft. Oh! <laughs> and the Chargers land! Oh, my God. Christmas right. comes early. Jeez. Okay. Um, 
at yeah, this point, right? okay, Dan, so now what do you do? This would be the I most mean, laughable scenario no, but, if this ended but, up happening, but also but the still, best scenario. Yeah. But still, where are we going here? Fans, we're currently picking eight. You got neighbors and embarrass on the board. Who are you picking? It's ridiculous value. <laughs> Personally, you, whichever which way you go. You, you guys got six seconds here. Five, four. I see Bowers. Three, two, one, and Bowers. Bowers, again. Bowers, neighbors, Bowers. We got Bowers, neighbors, Bowers. Brock. Bowers. Neighbors. neighbors. Okay. The, the next God. one is the next one is the one. Bowers. There it is. Bowers, 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 Bowers. Okay, here we go. I cannot believe we're doing Bowers again. But sure, Bowers. So Bowers at eight, the guy you could have technically got at five. And yep. your next pick is now what are we, Dan? Sorry, that's too small for my eyes to, yeah, to see. Sorry. We are now picking at 30, 37. 37. Okay. And then we have it again at 43. So All right. tight end, don't need anymore. Nope. You can go tackle, edge, wide receiver. You could go your center route here, interior defensive line. There's a bunch a of, lot of people. Are, a lot of people are. A lot of people are putting Zach Frazier here. First of all, there's a lot of guys on this board too that aren't going to be <laughs> be available in the second. So yeah, let's keep it as realistic as possible. So yes, Frazier is is absolutely a realistic option. Dan, yeah. look at the corners that are available, please. Let's go to corner. Huh. Mm. No, so they're not there. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't just dismiss Mike Sanderson like that. No, but you can't. You, well, you can't at 37? Yes, you I can. Know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you can't just, for those in the chat. I, I just Tampa like how you're just like, oh, no, not there. <laughs> like, don't you brush over Mike Sanderson like that. Powers so, Johnson is not there. Yeah, I would, I would say based off of this. People are saying Zach Frazier. The chat says Zach Frazier. I would probably say the same. Troy Fontenew is is not going to go in the second round. He'll be a first round pick. So realistic, I say that Zach Frazier makes it here. Um, uh, and I'd say if he, I'd say if he lands in the Chargers' lap, I mean, I'd say that this is money with your first two picks. I'd be hard pressed to go Ad Mitchell here too, but I'm hoping he's still there. And the Chargers fans go that direction later. Zach Frazier is selected. So Brock Bowers, Zach Fraser. I already love the the first two picks. That would be great. Okay, right. so you come back around at forty three. Forty three. Now we've got tackles here. We've got Tez Walker, Xavier Leggett, who I love, by the way. Jermaine Burton, I also like. Uh, lots of tackles here. Looks like tackles wide receiver. You can go Chop Robinson. Kind of a. <sighs> It'll be interesting to see where his draft value, yep. ends up. Yep. So Fontenew, we got people saying Pop Fontenew. We got people saying Chop Chop Robinson. We got people saying I don't know who Mikey is. Uh, Very interesting how this draft fell <laughs> in terms of who's still on the board. <laughs> any interesting corners? Let's look at corners again. I would look at corner again. Kate There's Sandra still Sandra staring you right in the face again, Dan. We expect, or at least I expect, safety. Jim Harden to take a Michigan man. P.S. Javon Bullard, I freaking love. I hope they, I hope, mm, like him a lot. Okay, uh, let's go. We got people saying Sandrasil, Jonathan Brooks. Let's look at the running back scenario, by the way. He is there. Would this be a time to be running back? I mean, because look at this. Uh, in terms of, because to me, I mean, again, this is based off of obviously a different draft board and how they value them. Look at where their values are for some of these guys. You essentially have still your entire running back crop here. 
and you still haven't gotten a corner. So yeah, what, what positions are you value? Says, someone in the chat says you got to go defense. I would do the same. You went two offensive picks already. Yep. So interior defensive line is the one I was going to look at. Oh, man. Javondre Sweat would be sick. Need to beef up the interior defensive line. Javondre Sweat would be sick, man. It's a little bit of a reach, but dude. <laughs> I did not expect him to come in as heavy as he did at the Senior Bowl over 350. No. So I'll be I think, really interested think, to see how he tests. I think <laughs> most, I think most people, holds up. Most people are saying chop. So we'll go with uh if it if it was me, I would I would I'm okay with chop here. I'm definitely okay with Mike Sanders still. I think that, that would be a a home run right. selection. We'll go chop. Okay. Here we go. Oh. We have got we haven't gotten a receiver, have we? Nope. Mm. Malik Washington, he's gotten a lot of praise. I'd like see, and, he, and here's here's again the point that Dan was trying to make earlier. Here's what happens yep. if you choose not to go that route. It's tough. There's going to be one position that's going to be left out that you're going to look at it and it's going to look like scraps initially. But this is what happens when you have to prioritize it this way. Okay, look at that. Mike Sarah is still, still there. Uh, I still I'm, make, I'm, pick, I'm not even giving people an option. We're picking Sarah because <laughs> we don't have a corner right now. You don't we have don't a corner. <laughs> I, I would, I would be shocked, A, if he lasted till the third round. Yep. All right. And then this is the last one. Here's maybe where you're running back situation might garner some interest. So we're talking. Oh, here's your estimate. Is this a third round or a fourth round pick here? This is a fourth round pick. This is a fourth round pick. Okay. So right around Bucky Irving's, your Audric Estimates, Ray Davis, I know, was was one that was fired off in the chat as well. I like Will Shipley and Estime here. If you're going that route. I think we got to. I would I would do a coin toss between Estimate. Estimate and Irving, maybe? Yeah, maybe linebacker. You could do. I saw someone in the chat about that. Oop. Yeah, good lord, because <laughs> you need help there too. Yeah, see, can't do that. I don't I don't want to take over, but I would say estimate, but I'll leave it to the group. Bucky, Irving. Looks like a lot of people are saying Bucky. If it's running back, has to be Bucky. All right, let's do Bucky. That's it. All right, Chargers fans. Here is our winging it mock draft. We get a B. On okay. a whim. On a whim. A minus, though, total. You'll take that. So they said the trade with Atlanta was a B, but overall the draft grade for who you got was an A minus. Interesting. Yes. And the only reason why it's A minus is because of Zach Frazier else would have been higher. But, again, the only thing the Chargers didn't get here was wide receiver. And you're probably hoping – that the Chargers can pick one up in free agency or take a flyer. Maybe you can get like a Jamari Thrash type later on. Who knows? But, Jake, I think that's going to do it. We went through all kinds of stuff here. It has been so much fun. Uh, Chargers fans, thank you so much for tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you guys appreciated this. We talked all things draft. We talked coaching staff. We talked possible trades, rosters, discussions. We talked past drafts since 2020. The whole nine. And look, 
someone in the chat said, DGen said, I'll take an A minus draft after the past couple of drafts we've seen for this Chargers team. For those of you who have not already done so, please do us a favor. It takes five seconds. Hit that like and subscribe on YouTube. We just finished doing a Jim Harbaugh giveaway. We'll be doing another giveaway here momentarily. Um, this is going to be so much fun as we continue on. Lots of things upcoming. We have special guests, some incredible episodes for you. Uh, but until then, take it easy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. For Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake T. Hefner. Myself at Dan W Sports. Jake, any last parting words for Chargers fans before we head on up out of here? Offseason begins now, baby. Let's go. And I usually say this around March. I'll just go ahead and start saying it now because I even though I know we've got two weeks before the combine starts. Between the time of now and April 25th for the NFL draft, it's going to go by way too slow. (laughs) (laughs) Way too slow. And I hate that. I hate that. Oh, man, it's Jake. I love you, buddy. Guys and gals, thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed. Thank you.